So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never going to be a hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. Hey everyone, Phil here. Welcome to episode four of Wisdom with Friends. This episode was about goals, and we talked about how we approach them, how we track them, why they're important, and what we do to keep ourselves on track. I had a really good time recording this. I think Dave did too. It's a topic that we spend an awful lot of time thinking about. So I really hope you enjoy it. I uh, did want to take a moment to just recognize one of our biggest fans, Estelle. Uh, she had a little bit of a, a rough couple weeks here and wishing her a very speedy recovery. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, enjoy the episode and everyone have a happy new year. So let's talk about goals. I thought it would be an interesting topic to kind of piggyback off of last week with uh, fitness because to me, my goals uh, in the, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the fitness journey last time. My goals became a thing that I needed to work on in order to actually be able to do that. And so I, for the first time, really blo- broke things down into 24 hour chunks. And so I'm curious to see how your process has changed. Cause I know when we were younger, you were way better at setting goals. For me, I remember you had goals for like beating video games. Oh, yeah. I've always been very goal-oriented. Even when I was a little kid, like collecting G.I. Joes, I had goals. <laughs> did you really? Did you, oh, yeah. did you write them down? Or was yeah. it like a – so what did a G.I. Joe goal, written goal thing look like? It was mostly just collecting the whole sets, you know? And then I moved on to Transformers and connect, collecting the sets and then – um when I started, when I started playing Nintendo, then I started wanting to have played every game and beat every game, that kind of thing. So it just sort of went from there. My dad, especially, is someone who instilled within me the need to set goals and and you know make sure that you hold yourself accountable and that sort of thing. And so um, beyond just the the playful stuff, I've always been someone who's been goal oriented, and it's just kind of baked into me. This explains when, um, and I know you don't play as much anymore, but when we were in the Hearthstone, I would say maybe it was like the f- second or third expansion when you created that legendary hunter deck with all the charge minions. You had, <laughs> and you sent it to me, you had this spreadsheet of like every card available in Hearthstone, and then like how many you had collected, what you still needed to collect the rarity and then like um uh how yeah, was, many of each you had it was basically a list of every card that existed yeah i remember this now i've i've oh gosh let's see how um when did hearthstone come out let me see and for those who don't know hearthstone is a um competitive online collectible card game from blizzard uh, when was Hearthstone released? I want to say it's, it's been at least four years, right? So yeah, March 11th, 2014. I still don't know how many cards in of each I have, man. <laughs> I, I haven't played and it in I, a while, but I was staying on top of it through the expansions. It was actually kind of a pain in the butt to, 
to update it and make sure that all my uh, my Excel formulas, like I'm an Excel nerd, so yeah. I love uh, I love making all the little bar graphs so I could see you know how, how many of you know whatever legendaries I still needed, all that kind of stuff. It's just something. Well, to see, do. I- I think it well it's not just not that it's just something to do too. I think this is super important around goals because for me my only goal like I have goals right here in my sh- my spreadsheet. Let's see what my one is for Hearthstone. Um so for Hearthstone I have hit rank 15 or better every month. And that's it, right? And so in order to do that whatever the current meta is and if listeners don't know what meta it means however people are playing cards just like in poker or any other card game, there's certain cards that are better than others and you use a strategy and you're limited to the size of the deck that you can have in any game. And so as long as I can I can have one or two of those a month, I'm okay. And if I can get to rank 15, uh, which is pretty, you know, pretty decent, um, I'm happy. But I've never set goals around collecting things. And I think that's what's super important about setting goals is when you see, when you actually write it down, and you see the data, you see all of those things. That's how you tackle a problem. I'm, I'm dealing with this with my kids where they'll say, I want whatever it is, right? It could be something for Fortnite or something for Overwatch, uh, which is happening a lot. Or um, another thing that's happening with my oldest is she wants to go hang out with her friends and she needs spending money, right? And so it's if you need this then how do you work towards that right and so it's for her it's babysitting jobs um and for my youngest there's other kind of goals around that and it's interesting to see how they because i think prioritizing and goals also come into effect right and so there's certain things i forget what it is um there was something that was in overwatch um, that was like a like a must have. It was some. Uh, uh, it was like a mercy skin you could get if you were watching matches a certain amount of times through Twitch. Mm-hmm. So we went because that was a goal of hers. She went through all. Oh, here's another. Here's another great example. Um, in Overwatch, there's a and for people who don't know Overwatch, you can you can Google it. It's a it's a competitive online shooter, very popular. Uh, amongst kids and adults alike, but uh, especially with my kids. And um, there's a certain amount of games. If you compete in, you get a golden, you get like a golden uh, weapon, right? So it's like a, other people see that. So she had that gold of, of, she needed that weapon, and but she also has to get school work done and other things done. So we set this goal that she was allowed to play an hour every day. And I think it took her, it took her weeks to get there. Um, but she had a pathway to get there versus every single time coming in saying, get off the, off the game, mm-hmm. right? You know, Hey, if I hit the hour in that, in, in for that day, I'm done. Does that make sense? So you're, yeah, you're yeah, breaking yeah. it off into chunks because otherwise you just keep going until you're done or you don't know how far you've actually come. Yeah. And, and doing those kind of things. And so, Getting back to my original point is that uh, I did not do that when I was younger in life. I knew certain things that I wanted and I would write them down. A lot of it was like budgeting and and things, but it was about four years ago where I created this Excel spreadsheet and it syncs across all my computers. Um, so wherever I'm on, if, you know, if I'm on my, one of my mobile devices, I can just enter it. And I've got three tabs in this thing. 
I've got current goals, current games, and life goals. Mm-hmm. And and so current goals is kind of like everything, and they're all color coded. So I'll just read them down right now. It's fitness is at the top. Then I have games, work, finance, and career. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then the the second column in each of those is what do I want to accomplish within each of those categories, right? So for fitness, originally it was weight. And then the weight became my third column now is what do I do for that in a 24-hour period? So it becomes each day. So it's really awesome, man, as I can see, this is what I'm working for in the middle column, mm-hmm. You know, basically why I'm doing it and overall why that's important. And then in the right is what I need to do every day. And I make sure I do that every day. And I just um, I just posted this to Instagram, actually, is I bought um, like the old paper calendars we used to have thrown mm-hmm. up, which I haven't used in a while because everything is digital. You know, you got your computer, you got everything else. And right. so it's it's the physical days. And when I hit that column, when I've hit everything in a day, I get to check off the day physically with a pen. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing what happens in your brain, at least for me, because it holds me accountable. Like it feels really awesome checking off the day. Oh yeah, I mean it's something that I actually do with with my team at work. You know, we've adopted um, about two years ago. We adopted Agile. You know, it's um, not not just for software development, but but across the board, all the different areas of IT. And one of the things we do every morning is you know we do these morning stand up meetings, and I make a list of the commitments that they make. Um, on our whiteboard every day with the sole intent of allowing them to be able to cross it off when they finish it, you know, to just get that win, you know, and just keep on getting wins and wins and base hits. And it's a, it's a really important part of goals is not setting them so broadly that, um, that achieving them is something that you can't feel that little, you know, whatever they call it, that little, you know, sense of accomplishment from getting, uh, these small victories. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. In that I've been um, a part of my goals, part of my life goals is every morning now, my routine, and it's amazing how fast you can you can adapt to a routine. So every morning now for an hour, I watch TED Talks and YouTube videos on learning something new. And one of them I was watching recently was on that the psychology of overcoming obstacles mm-hmm. and how important it is for goal setting that um, delayed gratification. Like, and these are all things that apply to like my kids too. like making sure they're working towards something and they don't get it immediately is huge compared yeah. to like giving it to them. And um, it's interesting how, when you do that over time, it's, Creating a, a a type of um, discipline. Like I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, and I'll put this in the show notes. And I think I sent I sent you some texts on him. Um, there's Jocko. He's a, a Navy SEAL. He um, he uh, wrote this book called Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's another. Um, uh, he's got his own YouTube channel. Uh, he's a he's a professor, uh, Jordan Peterson, and um, he was on Jocko's. Uh, podcast and um, this was this is super interesting um, and I think we talked about this a little bit. I, I told you like how I had a fear of bridges for a little bit. Did, did we ever talk about this? No, I don't think I remember you saying that. Okay, so it was a weird thing. Like it hit me all of a sudden. 
out of nowhere. I never had it. And all the traveling I'm doing, I'm like, great, this is going to be a thing now in my life when I have to be driving over bridges. And I don't know where it came from. Uh, it could have been some kind of suppressed thing. And uh, it's interesting because when I started to think about it, I remember I had reoccurring dreams when I was little about a bridge. Like you go up this high bridge and you fall off. And I started getting those again. Yeah. It's just weird, man. It's it's weird how all the, you know, these these mental things can work and whatever sets it off. It could have been stress at work or something else. Who knows? And so I was driving. Um, I, I actually wasn't driving. My um, My wife was driving and I literally had, I couldn't look out the window. We were going over a bridge. Like it was that much of a panic thing. Wow. Like I couldn't drive and I'm usually driving. Yeah. And that, it only happened once. And then I got, I got really mad about it. And I was like, all right, um, this is the way that I tackled it. And it seems so funny when you tell people this, uh, but this is what Jocko talks about, um, is that I said, I'm going to attack the bridge. So in my mind, when I would see a bridge and I would get those feelings of fear, in my mind, I was running towards the bridge. Interesting. And yeah, and this is what Jocko would talk about in in combat, is he said, it's a very different feeling when you're going in after an enemy combatant and you know where they are. You have the element of surprise. Your team is well-trained. There's this, this sense, you know, you get the adrenaline rush, you feel confident versus going out on patrol and and where you are literally a, you know you're a target mm-hmm. you're going into their territory they see you um they've laid you know uh explosive devices in various places you don't know where they are across your patrol path and they he used to tell his soldiers and his teams because he trained other navy seals is that we're choosing to do this mm-hmm. we're choosing to do this patrol we're going there right we're we're, we're charging ahead. And so when I, on the podcast, when Jordan Peterson was talking to them, he said that that's actually how our brains are wired. It's, it's very, it's very different when you, when you have a fear of something, it's you're running from it and your brain releases very different chemicals. It's like this flight. And when you choose to charge at it, it releases entirely different things and your brain isn't, is entirely different too. And I, to me, the reason I bring this all up is one, it totally helped me with that fear. Now I still get the feelings like my body's like, oh, okay, this is, we're going to do this. But then I quickly charge at it in my yeah. head and I'm okay. You know, you know, um, it's funny because I did the same thing with public speaking, you know, where ah, see, yeah, it applies to anything. Er, er, yeah. early on in public speaking, it was like mortifying for me. And I remember I was, I was, um, I was at some, some CIO event. I forget what it was. And I was waiting to speak and I decided to say, instead of like, I have to do this, I, I changed my mindset to, I get to, like, I get to do this. And, and these people yeah. are here to listen to me. You know, they're not here to endure me or whatever. They're, they're here to actually listen to me and I should, I should cherish, cherish this. And so I completely f- flipped it around in my head and I was so excited to start that it completely changed the, um, I mean, I was, I was already fully prepared. So it wasn't like I was nervous that I was going to, you know, screw up or anything. And it just changed my whole approach. And uh, I think it actually, um, it made the presentation better because I was so such a willing participant versus just trying to get through it. Absolutely. I, you, um, you can change your fear into excitement. Mm-hmm. And gratitude's a big part of that. What you're, you know, you're talking about, I get to be here. It's the worst. Nobody's going to like run on stage and like attack you. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, 
what's interesting, here's another thing I found out that this is actually a military tactic. And this is something that I just um, instinctually came to on my own around public speaking. And uh, I'll share this now is that when I go up on stage, um, like I'm, a, I'm about to go to uh, Denver and speak. There's supposed to be over 5,000 people. I'm doing a closing keynote, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm naturally, I'm excited for it. Like I'm, I really am excited just because I'm wired and I love doing it. But the actual day of what happens to me is right before I go out on stage, if any emotion comes, what I do is I almost slip through time and it's me telling somebody the story of the talk I already gave. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm out there, it's almost like I'm, what I'm doing is so that I could make that story that I'll actually tell better. And so the Dave, the Dave that's me isn't that Dave out on stage. It's actually this Dave six months from now talking to somebody about the, the, this, this keynote I gave. And, um, when I was talking to somebody, there's like, that's a military tactic that they teach soldiers in combat because it, you, you don't, it, what it does is it, you don't process the emotion while you're in the moment mm-hmm. when you do that, because you're actually pulling yourself out. Um, and this is another super interesting thing, Phil, is that I learned how to like a deal with that kind of stuff when I was in, uh, gosh, I think it was fifth or sixth grade or maybe it was seventh grade. I was, I was having a lot of problems with bullies at school and I had like a lot of anger issues and my parents took me to go talk to someone and he did this trick. Did I ever tell you about this with the balloon? No, never. All right. So here's the the other trick. First the bridge, now the balloon. I don't don't even know you. (laughs) Well, these are all things that just (laughs) popped in my head because then they all get to goal setting because I feel like goal setting does this to your brain the same way all these tricks do, mm-hmm. right? Is it kind of keeps you along this path. And so, all right, so here's this other trick is he's like, all right, the next time the bully comes, he's like, I want you to imagine you're in the hallway and you're at your locker and the bully's coming towards you. And I'm like, all right. And he says, imagine that. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm grabbing that image in your head and I'm snapping it back like a balloon. And he's like, can you picture the balloon? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, snap. And he would do that. And he's like, and I want the, they wanted to, do you see the ripples? And I'm like, yeah. And it, and he's like, is it fading a little bit? I'm like, yeah. And then he said, all right, I'm going to pull it back again. And he would do snap. And he did that like five times. And so what's super interesting about that is I found it like it worked in the moment and I was just a kid. But as I read up on that and, and started to realize it is that memories and stories. So if I tell you a story, this is why movies are so compelling and, and books are so compelling. There is no difference, Phil, between me telling you I'm in that hallway getting picked on and experiencing the emotions and you experiencing those emotions. Oh, trust me. I know that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I so, so side note, you know, after I went through my divorce and people found out about it, everybody who else who was going through a divorce um, reached out to me to kind of like, you know, get advice, tell me their story, you know, just sort of a, you know, someone, someone to, to, to talk to, you know, a, a shoulder to cry and whatever. And so I, I lived through 20 divorces dur- you know, after, oh. during and after my divorce, just, just by hearing the stories and just sort of getting caught up in it. So I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you can do that to yourself in that you're reliving that, that moment. And so I think what the balloon trick did and what this walking through time and realizing everything you're experienced just becomes stories that you tell people is a way to actually um, handle the emotion in a healthy way. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so I look at goals as a way to, um, rather than getting overwhelmed by the emotion of wanting to do something new, like I want to learn something new. So what I do is I go, all right, every day I'm just going to watch a video of this and I'm not, I'm not going to be an expert in, um, immediately, but every day I'm going to learn a little more about it. And that's, what's huge about setting goals. Did I tell you about the guy that said it's about 20 hours to become proficient in something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's along the same, that's along the same lines. And so, that's where in my fitness journey that I talked about previously is I set this goal for a year and it said, this is the weight I want to be over a year. And then that became, uh, you know, so it's, it's a little over 50 pounds in a year. So that became about a pound a week. And then it was, well, what's a pound a week? Well, pound a week is uh, about 3,500 calories below your total daily energy expenditure. And then I would figure out what that is. And that became around five to 600 calories less than that number. And so I could eat 500 calories less, or I could go burn it doing some type of physical activity. And so it broke all the way down from where I wanted to be all the way down into the individual day. But here's the important thing and catch this, because I think this is huge in anything. Each day that year, I had already reached that goal in my head. Even though I looked 50 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. I actually had that goal every day. I was, I already felt like I was there. And I think that's an important thing that can help drive you when it comes to goals is, and, and this is why I brought up all this different stuff is like, remove yourself from the moment and pretend you're traveling in time to wherever that end goal is. Like my, some of my life goals are 30 years away, mm-hmm. right? But because I know today what I need to do to get there. And as long as I'm doing that every day, yeah. Yeah. I'm mentally, I've already reached that goal. Oh, I'm a, fir- I'm a firm believer. You know, it's like that saying goes, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. I mean, you have to kind of put yourself, envision yourself in achieving whatever that goal is in order for you to even have a chance at achieving it. And if you have setbacks, then so be it. But if you feel like, or if you believe that you can't do it, then you're not going to be able to. You know, I tell my kids this all the time because especially my oldest son is not a great test taker. I don't think I never had that problem, you know, like going into tests or, you know, whatever in school, I always thought that I was going to do well. And so that was one less hurdle for me to cross when I reached the problem that I couldn't, you know, solve. I would just be like, well, you know, I'll figure it out, you know, or I'll skip it and I'll come back to it. And it didn't make me nervous that I was going to fail because that one little roadblock out of my way. Yeah. I, some people are great test takers. This I've always like, to me, a test was a, um, a way to like prove how fast I could learn something, which was always something that came easy to me. Mm -hmm. But my, my, uh, my oldest is not like that at all. And it's actually changed my whole perspective on test taking. Um, she's one of the smartest people I know, and she does horrible on tests. And because of it, she calls herself stupid all the time. And so I've had to like analyze why I liked it. Like, it's so stupid, man. Even like, um, <laughs> even like little self test things, like no matter where you have, it doesn't matter. It could be like a, like a medical questionnaire at the doctor's office. I get all excited. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. Like, it's like, it's some way, maybe it's just because I'm so self analyzing, but it's like, it's just like a thing to complete that you, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's just, um, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I've been rethinking. I've been thinking a lot about this, like, because she struggles with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I'm going to set a goal for myself to look up uh, test taking and tips for people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just always felt like I was going to do fine. And went, yeah, I did too. And and so I didn't really have any problems. Until, oh, you remember this. Until, so the, the, the mind, you just brought, you made this memory go up because this doesn't happen to me anymore. Back in, in college, and I would say some a little bit in high school, but maybe in college. And I, I know the reason for this now, okay? But at the time, I didn't. So I was very confident in taking tests and all of that. And I was confident in my ability. But subconsciously, there was so much riding on me getting my degree because I was the first person in my entire family to do that. And I was also the first person that was really breaking out of the mold of what any of us had done. So I was looking at this as my way to a better life. Mm -hmm. And so when I went and took a test, I mentally was fine, but my stomach, (laughs) (laughs) I never, I mean, nervous. I used to think there was something mentally. I mean, you remember that just bottles, bottles of KO peptate around. And and that was a test with your sweatpants on because your stomach. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you're just, a, I'm an 18 year old kid. I don't know, you know, I don't know any of this um, at the time that that what, and if you asked 18 year old me, I'd be like, no way, man, I don't, I'm awesome. And I don't really care about that. You know, there's not, it doesn't really matter. My family doesn't really care what I do or not, none of that, you know, but subconsciously I knew. And I say subconsciously because I think I knew, but I didn't analyze the fact that I knew mm-hmm. it's not like subconscious, like a dream, you know? I think there's there's certain truths that we all know that you don't really analyze, right? Like you may know uh, – I'll give you one that I think a lot of people I've seen so is that you need – if uh, your parents mm-hmm. and you love and respect your parents regardless of whatever happened when you were a kid and and if they are still around – you know, the ability to work through whatever you have and to talk to them and, and to do all that. But it's a subconscious thing that I, I think a lot of people don't process until, you know, their parents are gone. And um, that's what I mean by subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this truth that you know, but you haven't really thought about. It. So yeah. that's what was happening to me physically. And, and um, I, it, it doesn't it doesn't anymore. Um, but I think that's also because where we are in our lives now, you know, you kind of figured out things a little bit better and, yeah, you've, right. and you've analyzed. Yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I've, I've started analyzing less as I've gotten older and start and started realizing that I don't need to necessarily know why certain things are a certain way. Like it's okay for me to just sort of, you know, be in the present instead of having to understand every little nuance of what the present means to me. You know, it's, it's made me a better father, better husband, better, um, you know, better at my job, better in a lot of ways is that I, I don't always have to be looking at it and analyzing it and deciding what it means. I can just sort of be content with who I am and kind of what I'm doing. That's great. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for, for living in the moment. Yeah. I think you need, if you have a goal though, I do think you need like the best <clears> thing <throat> you can have is self-awareness. Yeah. Cause, cause I've tried, like I've tried writing goals down on paper. Um, let me let me see if I can find one here. I'll but, pull up my. But, uh, but to get back to that, like the analysis, part of the analysis for me was that I didn't feel like I was good enough, and so I was 
analyzing because I wanted to figure out ways to improve, you know, and, and I reached a point where I was good enough and I'm still trying to improve, but it wasn't because I felt inadequate. You know, I was like, you know, I'm good. Like I'm fine. I'm all right. But you know, I'm going to try and get better because, you know, getting back to goals. I mean, that's, that's just sort of how I think you and I are both wired is don't ever be complacent. Tomorrow should be better than today. I'll give you an example here. It's like what you're saying. So I have this thing in my current goals and I see this because I crossed it out. So one of them was finance, right? And I had um, save and I had a certain amount college and then I had save a certain amount savings. And then I broke that up by per paycheck and then I had down what I wanted, but it was all under finance, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened is as I was looking at this more and more, because what happened is when I started working on life goals, like 90% of my life goals were about my kids. Yeah. And then I started looking at my finance and all of the stuff I broke out, like it wasn't me. It was all about my kids. There was way less stuff for retirement. Mm-hmm. And so I started realizing that I had this huge life goal around setting my kids up to start off life to be successful. Yeah. And so that's what I mean is of like self-awareness because that may not be an immediate thing. Like now I'm actually pulling back on some of this stuff saying, well, is the fact that I paid for my college, did that define me in a different way? Would I have been a, uh, what's the word? Um, I don't, it's not gratuitous, uh, uh, grateful, like, um, you know, would I have taken it for granted? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think as you start to set a goal for those kind of things, what you think is something that you should put as a metric to work towards, especially if it's for somebody else can actually open up some of the things about yourself. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, I I think, uh, you know, when you approached me about this particular topic today, you know, one of the things that I've had to come to grips with because I've always been such a goal guy is having less of them, you know, and just enjoying things a little bit more. I'm still very goal oriented, but, um, like today, you know, my goal today was to do, I have a huge landscaping project that I want to do in my front yard and I wanted to get up early and I wanted to get at it and kind of get it done. And, and, um, as the day kind of rolled on and I hadn't started it yet, instead of feeling guilty, I was fine with it. You know, I just said, well, you know, I'll, I'll start it at four and, you know, I'll, I'll work till, till I think I worked till seven or whatever and got a good chunk of it done. And again, a lot of my goals early on were, there was a lot of guilt associated with them. And I think a lot of people ah, go through this, you know, like the, the, um, you set your, your new year's resolutions, right. And who's, who accomplishes those things. And then you beat the crap out of yourself because you didn't lose that 20 pounds or you didn't do this, or you didn't read a hundred books in in a hundred days or whatever, you know, these, these goals that people come up with. And it's like, stop feeling so guilty all the time. Like stop beating yourself up. Like, like it's important to have goals, but it's an also important to understand what it is that you can achieve and what you can't achieve. And, you know, stretch goals are good, but don't feel like those are a necessity. Just, you know, be, be, be okay with yourself. Yeah. Realize, you know, you're, uh, you're a human being. Right. And, uh, I mean, I've had days (laughs) where my caloric intake is three times (laughs) what it should be. But then I say, you know what? I don't know what you mean, Hold on a second. Let me open up these Oreos. 
Yeah. I mean, I told you I was reheating my pizza. I had uh, pizza two days in a row. But it's like I can't I can't feel my legs, my hammies, even though I've stretched them out and everything because I did nothing but lay down flooring in the basement. Can you say hammies again for me? Hammies. (laughs) All right. Go ahead. My hammies, dude, before I was on the fitness kick were like concrete. They were the tightest things you'll ever know. And it was so bad. Like I couldn't just sit down and like, you know, just sit down flat. Like my knees would come up. Like I couldn't push it down and touch my toes. Yeah. So let me, let me tell you one thing, you know, one thing that I've um, always associated with you is this two weeks of hardcore something. And then it's, it's on to the next thing, you know, and talking about goals, you know, there were often times where your goals would shift dramatically. I mean, even in college, I remember you changed your, your major like five times. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. for me, I was for the me, exact opposite. If, I know. If, That's why this topic's so good. If I was on chapter three of a book that sucked, I was still reading the whole dang book. <laughs> and now oh, yeah, you are. when I get to chapter three of a book and it sucks, I go on to the next book and I feel, you know, I don't feel disappointed in myself that I didn't achieve that goal. You're like the one guy out of the out of the whole class that read every book that was assigned. Oh, 100%. I did every every problem. In fact, I did every single problem that had an answer that I could check my work on. Yeah. I mean, in that in this it's like see this is what's interesting. Is like we talk about our backgrounds and then where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um I realized that a lot of what I was doing cuz I always was very self-analytical. I a lot of what I was doing is I had one goal, right? Is I should say two goals. I wanted to settle down and have a family that loved me and and I loved and that we could grow with. And that was the number one goal. And then the second one's goal was to make as much money as I could. Mm-hmm. And then that that I realized wasn't really much of a goal. But that's why everything else was just kind of like I was looking for wherever was the most pain-free and made me the happiest at the time. Yeah. And so four years ago, I said, I can't I, – I, that's not going to – that's not what happiness is. That's not what wealth is. That's not – like I need to start actually setting goals for myself around this. And you're right. I think you may be on to something because that's when I actually have been sticking with things. Even video games, I I make up – what are the goals in it? And it actually makes me play the same game for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like, so the reason I brought it up is because your the goals that you set for yourself from a fitness perspective, I mean, you have done what 0.01% of people that actually, you know, take on, like, I want to lose weight actually do, which is you didn't just lose the weight, but you actually got in really good shape, you know? And so it's, it's such a dramatic... Um, just as you've matured, you know, gotten wiser or whatever, as, as an adult, the way that you've approached your goals and the way that you've committed to them and the way that you've sort of tackled them has just been a lot different and obviously a lot more effective. Yeah. And at the end of the day, cause it's literally at the end of the day, dude, the only difference between me now and me five years ago is what I do in any 24 hour given period. Mm-hmm. Because five years ago, I couldn't tell you what my thing was every 24 hours. It was probably very different. And now there's certain things that I have to do every day. And at the end of the year, it all adds up, yeah, right? Yep. Enough drops of water are going to fill the bucket eventually. Yeah. So that, that's why it's important to uh, kind of make these sh- spreadsheets. I mean, so what about the – why don't we close on, on future? Um, what do you think 
somebody who's maybe listening to this, because I think depending on the person, they may have personal goals, they may have career goals, they may have life goals, but everything you and I are going to talk about as this podcast continues, I think that it's almost like I shouldn't even name this goals. I should name this change, right? Because I think as a human being, this is how you approach change is you have to look at it as a daily thing. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there are going to be some days where you just fail miserably. Right. Right. But you got, you got to be able to look at yourself and say, I'm not any worse because of that. Like exactly. Just the fact that I'm trying to do better. Right. Like nothing, nothing pisses me off more than when you see someone who's a little bit on the heavy side jogging and, and you're with someone and they, and they make fun of that person. And it's like, you're, you're sitting on your rear end while this person's trying to do better, you know, like, like admire this person, build this person up. That's just so ridiculous that people do that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. And I've always admired that about you is that anybody that's, that's putting in the work, you, 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 you're never a judgmental person to even begin with, but there's just instant respect. And I think everybody should try and try and achieve that. I think p- people try, it's not a zero sum game, right? You don't have to tear somebody else down to feel good about yourself. Yeah. So, um, we talked a little bit about our goals and sort of how we've evolved throughout our lives. And, you know, one of the things that really helped me actually was, believe it or not, Franklin Covey's, I don't know if you've ever done any of his planners, but there's this whole concept of sharpening the saw. Have you ever heard of this? And I think it's uh, one, no. one of his, the seven habits of highly effective people as well. But it's this whole concept of the goals that you set should be sort of um, well-rounded, right? And so, the sharpening the saw specifically focuses on like a physical thing, a social or an emotional thing, a mental thing, and then a spiritual thing. And so you want to make sure that on a daily basis, you're moving the needle on each in each one of those things. Or maybe if it's not daily, maybe it's weekly, but the planner, you kind of build all that stuff into your life so that you make sure that you're not neglecting any single thing. Because if you become unbalanced and if if one of your goals, let's say, you're focusing so hard and so intently on that you actually lose sight of other aspects of yourself that are also important, that imbalance is actually going to um, come back to haunt you. You know, it's like a pendulum swing. It's going to swing hard in the other direction. Like if you're working 80 hours a week and you're not taking care of your body, then, you know, in order to get your body where it needed to be, you now have to work, you know, significantly less to catch up and, and forget about the spiritual aspects of it and everything else. So, so my own, my own kind of goal system, I, I, I focus around mind, body, and soul. And so I make sure that on a weekly basis, I have specific things that I want to do to to um, to further my mind. So it's like you know, like you said, you do the hour of learning in the morning. I have similar things that I try and do to to kind of sharpen my mind. And then body is obviously you know trying to make sure that I stick to some semblance of <laughs> of a, a workout or I do my best. I use yard work as a as a substitute, but um, and then the soul thing is like maybe just losing myself in a, in a book or, or, you know, spending time with, you know, my, my wife and my kids, or, or even, you know, we were talking about gaming earlier, you know, spending two hours and just saying, I'm going to allow myself to, to spend the ne- the last two hours of my day playing this or that and not feel guilty about it and not feel like I'm not accomplishing something that is the accomplishment and that's okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, did you ever, like, you know, the, um, 
hierarchy of needs and right. then the the pyramid of uh not pyramid the triangle of resources mm-hmm. um i think all that applies to human beings too yeah um yeah. and it's yeah it's important to recognize that um i feel the same way for me it's it's the physical uh for me spiritual is is scripture i mean you know this on on my uh journey i i was on a totally opposite end of the spectrum uh, it was an atheist for a while. And then after I almost lost my little one, uh, I became a Christian and it's important for me to read scripture every day. Um, and you know, I, it's, it's for other people, it's meditation. It's like that quiet time. And I really feel like that's my meditation time. I take things in prayer so that I don't carry it on my back. Um, there's a lot of self-analysis. So a lot, this happens after sometimes it's before, but it usually happens after my hour of learning. All this is like around my coffee time in the morning, right? Um, a lot of like my prayer, I imagine, is similar for people who are doing meditation. Is I become aware of all the really crappy things about myself mm-hmm. and all the people in my life that I need to forgive. Sometimes those are like people at work where I realize I've like I've started to harden my heart, and there's a potential that I may. Uh, I don't want I'd like get resentful or try and like, I just try and purge myself of all. That. And it's a, it's a daily thing. It's every, it's every morning. Um, and then there's other parts of that for me where there are people, there may be stories I hear about. There may be people I'm hearing about who are in need. Um, I take my concerns for them. And, but then I also say, I get very self uh, analytical and say, is there actually something that I could do? Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing. You know, the things that have cropped up, uh, where, yeah, I can actually give my time and I can help this person, um, whether it's physically, monetarily. Um, and that, man, we are so, whether you know, whether you are a spiritual person or not, um, I've, you know, I, I really feel like we're all wired to be very um, empathetic to each other yeah. and altruistic. And the modern society kind of gets rid of that. And so that for me is, yeah. Otherwise I just focus on myself. Right. So I take that time. And then the physical is all at the end of the day for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, so I've gone through my whole work day and the way that I wind down and kind of shift gears is to go for my run. So I'm either, I'm doing my run or I'm, or I'm lifting weights or I'm doing that. It's like this, um, it's this purge of the day for me mm-hmm. that I just, I get out through sweat Yeah. <laughs> so that at night I can, I can, um, I can relax and I can, I can pass out and I can do all that, that kind of stuff. And I think it's different for everybody. You know, different people may find it. They, they really want that alone, quiet time at night, you know, and, and, and like you said, time with family and, and all that, as long as it's a reflective time where you can, you can kind of analyze, um, you know, why a- anything that's bothering you, just get rid of it. Yeah. Don't hold on to it. You know, well, you, you, it's, it's a way you mentioned earlier about your kids, you know, and a lot of your goals were around, making sure that financially you had, you needed to do for your kids and, and, you know, just various aspects, your goals were actually around your kids. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things that I've also learned is that you have to take care of yourself. If you, if you, yeah. if you only yeah. focus on your kids and not on yourself, you're actually, you're, you're, you're not helping your kids because you, your kids need to see you as healthy as possible in order for them to be healthy. Like they don't actually need you as much as you think they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, as much as you want uh, you yeah. know i mean it, it's oh, it's a selfish thing right to think that your kids need you for this and that they actually don't 
and I talk about my divorce before, and I'll probably talk about it in every podcast <laughs> that we do because it was just such a um, uh, just a. Um, I don't even know what to call it, a point of inflection in my life. And I had to figure out a lot of things about myself, you know, and one of the things that I had to figure out was that like my kids aren't physically around me all the time. And that doesn't mean that I'm less of a dad because of that. Yeah. And for the first couple of years, I did feel like I was less of a dad, you know, and, and that was more about me thinking that I was more important than I actually was. Yeah. yeah you know, it's funny because when they were littles, Yeah. Like, I think they were like the way that I relaxed, but I having a teen now, I do realize how little I'm, she needs. Yeah. To. Oh yeah. <laughs> she does. Does some, there's some days she doesn't even want to engage, you know, it's just kind of like, um, leave me alone. Yeah. And you got to respect uh, that. Okay. You know, you gotta, you gotta be like, okay, I'm not going to force it. You know, I'm just going to let them be who they are and, and they'll come to you more if you leave them alone, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you, man. What exactly what you said about um, like taking care of yourself. So I think you know this, but um, maybe two years ago, I forget where it was. It was after I had, I, I had significant physically, I had looked different and it was, this was now already part of my lifestyle, the way that I ate, the way that I, I exercised, all of this was just part of me now. It wasn't like any kind of new thing. I already had the whole home gym and everything. And I remember my oldest coming to me and she said, I want you to show me how I can do this too. And I immediately said no. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? And I was like, because you're beautiful and you don't need this and you don't need to worry about it. Um, and she was very persistent. You know, it took it, it took like two days of working on dad. And I was like, all right. I'll tell you what I did, but I don't think you need to change. And um, we went, I, I walked her through all the apps I use and the fitness plans and everything. And then she just went, that was it. Like it was just, was literally like maybe two hours. Um, and she changed her lifestyle around and I didn't see it. And, and, um, but man, after like six months I did, I was like, wow, this, she's like, it was, it was just a change It's a physical change. Um, you could literally see in her just healthier. And I was like, wow, of all the things I've done and said in my life, it was actually me taking care of myself that like, I feel like had the most biggest amazing, impact right? Her, you know? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you show your wife love, your kids will actually learn from that too. Like you don't have to ignore oh, your yeah. wife and, and only f focus on your kids. You, you know, loving your wife will actually teach them how to love, which is also an important thing. All, all just, you, you just, you think you're more important than you are. <laughs> you know, it's like, sometimes you just got to just do what feels good. And, uh, especially the kids, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They're resilient. I, uh, somebody had told me a while ago, I'm sure you've heard this too, that your daughter's boyfriends will be a reflection of how you treated your wife. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want like that guy. He's coming. He's in my house. This teen boy, he's got his like feet up on my couch and he's like loud mouthed and disrespect. I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, like how do I even approach this? You know? Yeah. So I've always just tried to be, even in, in confrontations, as respectful as I can, mm -hmm. um, even if you don't always agree because I'm like, it's going to be, you know, Maybe my my future son-in-law someday uh, will be will be that you know right. It's it's important. So, so you mentioned before goals for the future, you know, and and I think we kind of talked a little bit about how our goals have changed throughout our lives and kind of how we changed 
the way that we um, approached our goals and tried to achieve our goals. So what's next for you? I mean, what, what, what? So this is a thing. So maybe this happens to you, Phil. I, I tried explaining this to my, to my wife is that I feel like men, middle-aged men like us, do start talking about retirement. Do start talking about money a little bit more than it's like, it's almost like it's not as taboo to talk about like mutual funds and, and uh, 529s. Like, what are you doing in life? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like guys talk about refinancing mortgages and they talk about what they're doing with their 401ks and all that kind of stuff. And I never did. And it started to bother me. And I started to compare myself. And I said, all right, I've got my, I'm rewired myself now that I can start breaking things out all the way down into uh, stuff. So a lot of my life goals now, when I went through, a lot of it was, you know, there's some of the spiritual things you talk about. So for me, it's like impacting somebody else's life in a positive way and leaving behind a legacy and doing like real good in the world. Like I do have those, but I think those are easy to 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 do as goals because so much of that is in your control. It's about making yourself available in the moment and really actually giving your time to people. Mm -hmm. The the areas that I kept seeing reoccurring themes, like you just saw with my kids and savings, um, making sure I'm I'm taking care of, you know, if I pass on first, that my family's well taken care of, that my wife doesn't have to worry about anything, all of that, it wound up being like money. And so I started to be like, man, I'm, I'm this age and I feel like I'm not uh, anywhere near where all these other guys are that I'm talking to. So what I did, and I actually did this like four weeks ago and I felt like a huge dude. It was like, I literally felt the weight come off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And all I did was I said this, write a number down that I would feel comfortable with. It doesn't mean it's the best number possible, right? It doesn't have to be realistic. It's just a number that if that existed, that's enough, mm -hmm. right? And I had, to, I had to really think about it and tweak the number until it just, it just felt right. And then I said, all right, Dave, take that number, figure out your age now, and then figure out what age you want that number by. And I did that. And then I said, break that out into how much money you need. How much money do you have saved now and how much money do you need for that? And then that was a number in my spreadsheet. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. And then what I did is I said, all right, amount needed per year, and then I took out per year and I said per month. And then I've always kept well track of my budget per month. And so then I said, all right, look, this is what I'm doing now per month. This is what I need per month for this thing that makes me feel like I'm taking care of financially for everybody else and my family and leaving this legacy. What do I need to do differently? And some of it was giving up things. Others were looking at investments differently. Um, just timing of things, figuring out, well, if I put this into something that's going to be at, even if it's 2% interest rate over the next 20 years, right? Like looking at the time value of money, making the money work for me over time. And I did all that. And so it's, I don't know, it's like, um, it's alleviated a lot of the pressure that I feel like as long as I do that, that part's taken care of. And I, I'm almost embarrassed to say I didn't have any of that now. Mm -hmm. You know, I know like you're supposed to be planning this out. I had, yeah, I have a 401k and an IRAs and, but it was like you would, I would look at the balance and like, I never broke it down into what number made me feel comfortable and how far out and all of that. And so what it's allowed me to do is now that I have this tab in my goal sheet, 
for like the games I want to play every day, what I want to do in my career, my physicality and, and these finance things, then I can concentrate on the what's real. Like, how am I a nicer person? Am I learning things? Mm-hmm. How, how do I build on, and we can do podcasts on this. Like, I'm like, how do I build on empathy? Yeah. How do I, how do I, how do I get myself to be less judgmental in any situation? How do I get myself to listen more? How do I? Yeah. So it's, get, it's, you know, those, it's the, funny that you mention all that because again, I'm, I'm like a broken record, but you know, when I was going through all the stuff I was going through a couple of years ago, my, my goals were like super short term. Like I didn't have any long-term goals. Um, it was just the necessity of the situation going through a divorce is like, like, how am I going to pay my rent and how am I going to, you know, when am I going to see my kids again? And, and these, you know, everything was super, super short term. And then as I kind of got past that and as the stress levels went down, the goals started becoming more and more long-term. And now that I finally kind of turned the corner and, and life, life is good again, and I feel like I'm my old self, my goals are no longer about what I want to achieve, but it's more about like who I want to be. I mean, it's completely changed the way that I, I approach goals in general because 10 years ago, it would have been like, I want to get to this weight, you know, or I want to get to this bench press as far as physical goals or, you know, mental stuff might be like, I want to go through these five books. And now it's like, Exactly what you said, like, how can I become a better human being? And how can I, um, you know, that's the legacy that, I, that I'm going to leave behind. No one's going to remember that I bench press whatever, or that I got through six different books in the first half of the year or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm more focused on the long game right now, um, it, you know, just as far as who I am. Yeah. And I think that's, that speaks to that you are in a healthy, mature place at our age. Yeah. Right. Is that you're, thank God you're looking at, (laughs) (laughs) we only got so much time. Like, I really do feel like, um, like it's one of my, a lot of times, uh, and maybe you feel this too. When I make decisions now, if they're important decisions, the number one thing that's on my mind is what's the legacy of this? Mm You know, am I imp- impacting somebody in a positive way? What's going to be the real long-term effect of that decision? Because I used to focus on the short-term pain. Yeah. You know? Well, I, th- I Even, think it goes know, down uh, to that, you know, that um, the, the the pyramid of needs or whatever it was that you spoke about. You know, when you're taking, when you're, when you're having to figure out like, how am I going to feed myself and where am I going to sleep and all these sorts of things, you can't. Oh yeah. You can't think about anything else. I mean, I went, I went a period of time where I could not actually listen to music. Like I couldn't, I wouldn't allow myself the, you know, even those few moments to enjoy myself because I, I'm a, oh, I'm man. a goal oriented guy. And it's like, when I've got a goal, I've got to do it. And so that's how I've been my whole life. You know, I mean, once, once I decide I'm going to do a thing, I am nose to the grindstone until it's done. And then I move on to the next thing. When the goals are short term, like you really can't, you can't stray from that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that you do have to have tunnel vision sometimes if you're, if you're striving towards a goal, uh, you got to flip that binary switch, but not at the expense of anything else. Mm-hmm. If you can. Yeah. So that's, that's where the future is, uh, for me, man, is I don't want to have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. It's, um, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but my brother's the one that said this to me and I thought it was a really great way. And I, I think it's quoted from somebody else is that uh, money is a zero sum game. 
meaning you start with nothing and sometimes you make more and sometimes you have more and sometimes you have less. And in the end, everybody has zero. And I, so I look at that. It doesn't matter. Like in the, if I could, I'm going to give it all away. And then if my family, you know, if my family has an, has um, like the stuff that really impresses me, um, I was reading as an author, Dave Ramsey, and he helps uh, with, with financial stuff too. And he was talking about like having wealth so that you can actually positively impact. Like um, I'll give you an example. And this is stuff I would love to do in my life. Um, which is the reason why you try and build these kind of goals, right? Is there, there was um, someone every year he would just buy $25,000 worth of bicycles for these kids who never had a bike. Mm -hmm. uh, another person heard about a father whose wife was killed in a car crash and he had three kids and he just paid for their college. All those kids, just another family, right? Like to be able to do that. Cause you're not going to take that money with you in the end anyway. Um, I would love to be able to do something like that. And we have little things where we've been able to help people out and uh, as we've seen those needs, but I would just love to do that in such a bigger uh, impact, mm -hmm. you know, cause all that stuff, zero sum, what's left behind is legacy. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, you were talking about that and it, it got me thinking to a book that I read, you know, and it kind of aligns with this, uh, you know, this, um, this topic of goals, but there's a book I read once. It was called "Let Your Life Speak." Have you ever heard of this? No, a lot. Yeah, so it's it's by um I th uh, I think his name was Parker Palmer. Uh, I'll have to Google it. But at any rate, it was about changing your life or deciding what you want to do based on kind of what's happened in your life and listening to that. And it was just such a fascinating thing because people were, were trying their goals were just not consistent with who they were, you know, and their goals were, were just based on what they thought the script was supposed to be. Not everything is a Disney movie or not everything is like a, you know, you go to high school, then you go to college and then you get married and then you have 3.2 kids or whatever it is and et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes your life will actually be telling you what it is that you should be tr achieving when you're not actually telling yourself that. So it was a fascinating read. I would definitely um, encourage you guys to read it. Yeah, I'll check it out. And again, I think self-awareness is key, right? Because I, like if you're in a situation where you are, you are miserable, right? Because I've seen, it's, it's different when you've got a family, right? Um, and this is why a lot of my goals are around that because I want to make sure they're living uh, comfortably, right? But for me, not coming from a lot, I would, I really, I ate the turd burger for years. Like I didn't have a problem with that so that you could do what you wanted. Like for me today, I could leave my job and make 50% less. And this is just me, the way I'm wired. If it was something that I loved yeah. doing now, I just happen to be blessed where I really love what I'm doing because I really feel like you do have that option. But most people they've maxed out their lifestyles and their debt and everything else that they can, mm -hmm. they just can't pick up and, and, and go, but you could literally like, I could sell my house here in Pennsylvania and go buy land out in Montana. Right. And, right. and have, you know, just completely eliminate whatever that mortgage, crazy mortgage payment would be. And then because we live in the age of the internet, I could, I could have a job doing something similar online. Right. And accept, but it's like, you got to think of those kind of terms. Uh, Gary V talks about this a lot. He's got a thing where uh, people come to him all the time and say, I have no way to make money. And he's like, go on Craigslist 
He even he even tweets examples of this. Is it go on Craigslist, look under the free section, go pick that stuff up, flip it, and sell it on eBay. And people are making hundreds of dollars a month. And that's all they're doing. It reminds me of the Wow auction house, <laughs> right? Where they're buying it at nothing. The only thing it takes for them is just to go pick it up. It's all local Craigslist mm-hmm. stuff. And e- eBay's like app now, you just like take pictures of the stuff. It like scans all the data and everything. And we live in a we live in a society that wants stuff now. And and people who have money will just go in there and they'll just buy it now. And it's easier to just get that thing for twenty bucks and have it shipped to their house. And if you're willing to take your time and just go pick that thing up and garage sales too, he's always going around and, and talking about garage sales. So it's like, it's figuring out like, what are, what's being very one, very self-aware. So like, if you love, you know, doing a certain thing, what can you do to make that happen? And then willing to put in the work, right? Not everybody's willing to go spend 10, 15 hours a week, picking stuff up off Craigslist and hitting, uh, garage sales, but the people that are are making hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. on eBay. So it's it's that's how I've always uh, I, I've always approached it. You know, is is and if you are in a situation where you're miserable and you've got a ton of debt, then just be just be like because I've been in positions like this too. And my approach to it was to be really self aware and say, all right, I screwed up. I need to now figure out how I pay off the all of this credit mm-hmm. card debt. And it it took me years. Oh yeah. But I, you know, but once I had that, like suddenly it was like, oh, wait a minute. Now I have hundreds of dollars more a month and I didn't have to do anything different. I'm at the same freaking job making hundreds of dollars a month more because I got rid of this position yeah. that I got myself into. You well, know, so, sec- some people's section. goals, unfortunately, include having stuff, you know, and, and uh, you can't take the stuff with you. And usually the stuff gets old almost the minute that you bought it. So if I were to give anyone a piece of advice, it would be don't have your goals revolve around stuff. The next car, the the bigger house or whatever. Like there are people in gigantic houses that are still miserable. <laughs> oh man, I know so many people like that, dude. There's a, uh, I'm trying to figure out who the quote is. Hold on. I'm going to look it up because I want to I, – I hate that I can't yeah, – So, uh, so um, did you ever read that book, The Pearl by Steinbeck? No. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a great book, man. It's, it's uh, a classic actually. I had to read it when I was younger and then I read it, I read it again when I was part of a, um, like a leadership uh, program that I was in. And the whole, the whole book is around a, a, like poor, poor, poor people. You know, they get their money by diving for, for pearls, right? And, you know, they, they just about get by. They've got this little tiny hut that they live in. And this dude goes down and finds a pearl the size of like, um, like a practically a bowling ball. This thing's gigantic. And the, the, the thing takes over his life. And, you know, he goes through, I mean, I don't want to give it all away, but he goes through awful, awful stuff. People are trying to steal it. Now he's on the run. He abandons his home. He's got his wife and, and kid running. And in the end, he just says to himself, I wish I would have never found this thing. Like, I was just fine. Things were good. I'd get up in the morning, you know, the sun's shining on me. And now here I am miserable with this stupid pearl. And I think he winds up throwing it into the desert or something. Yeah, I. It's absolutely true. That's the self awareness of what you have, right? Like, um, like walk. I remember when I was walking around and I I tore my hip abductor and suddenly I couldn't walk for two days and I'm like, why didn't I just appreciate the fact that I have legs? Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and and that quote, I still don't know who said it. I, uh, and I'm not going to do him justice, but it's a really quote I think about all the time is that there's two ways to be happy. One need, uh, figure out a way, two ways to be rich, right? Um, figure out a way to get a whole bunch of stuff or two don't need a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff. And it's along the lines of, of what you said, right? Is so, and that's where that's where I would leave it. Like I need, I need uh, decent broadband and, uh, and a bed and I'm good. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You know, I, um, but you also have a family to take care of and you know, it's, it's, we, we, we have responsibilities. If it was just me, yeah, no, if it was just me and you, and we've joked about this, right? Like when we're older, if we're the only ones left and all our kids are successful, we'll just have like a shack with like Wi-Fi where we can just game a van. and hang out in a hammock. We'll have a, a van. Yeah, van. <laughs> we'll have a van. There goes us two old dudes in the van. There we'll have one go. of those little yeah. things like on the uh, on the hitch in the back that has like, you know, a little, uh, little room in the back or whatever. Like the, the kind of Winnebago thing. I saw one of those cruising around the other day and I got a little bit jealous. But yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, you know, and then I would, I would, any money I had, I would like put it into other things and just see it at work of like helping yeah. people out. I'd be, yeah. I'd, I'd be like the, the philanthropist that drives up in like the, the, that little shag mobile mm-hmm. and there's Phil in the back, he's gaming. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to go make, we're going to go make tacos now <laughs> on the beach, on the beach. And, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, but that's all like, that's what, what do you want? Right. You know? Um, and I think delayed gratification, that's a, that's a huge part of it. I mean, you hit it with, uh, if your goal is to get a whole bunch of stuff and you want it now and you can't wait, you will find yourself in debt versus saying our goal actually is to have this monetary amount in the next five years. So every decision I make now, when I'm sitting there and things suck, and I don't have the house that I want, and I don't have the car that I want, and I can't take my kids on vacations I want. That's because in five years we're going to have this, or in ten years they're going to be going to this school. Like really, just keeping your eye on those yeah. things because it's easy to slip and fall the other way. And thankfully, we live in a country where there's almost nothing you can't achieve if you actually want to. You know, a, a lot of people don't don't reach their goals because they didn't actually put in the work. If you're willing oh, yeah. to put in the work, yeah. Willingness you can to work. do just about anything. I mean, you can be a millionaire, you can be a multimillionaire. Now you gotta give up a lot to do that, you know. I mean, some people can do it, you know, effortlessly, and some people are born with the ability to uh, you know, to sink three pointers, you know, at a forty percent clip, and so they can make millions a year doing that. But if you don't have that skill, there's still something that you can do to to be successful if that's what you really want to do. You know, you just gotta make sure that you're oh, setting absolutely. goals that you know that you can achieve and and just go get it like don't don't let it don't let it not happen just because of you know anything that you did did i ever did i tell you i might mention i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast about ryan carson mm-hmm. um maybe you did and i forgot really awesome guy i've been i've done a podcast with him before too um really positive guy he created uh you can check it out it's uh treehouse is his company i think it's um I'll put it in the show. I think it's teamtreehouse.com. Um, and the idea is um, with exactly what you said, if you've got a willingness to learn and put in the work, anybody can learn to code. And he has numerous stories. Like uh, a, a guy was on the streets homeless and he's making six figures now a year later, just going and putting in the time to learn how to code and started off with an, a developer mm-hmm. job 
you know, certain set of salary. Some of them were like three month gigs and just continued to people like, wow, you can code. And, and then he just, he put in the work and then made a career. That's out awesome. And there's tons of those, tons of those kind mm-hmm. of stories, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, gosh, that didn't exist a hundred years ago, no. right? It's like, if it, I think technology has enabled that. Yeah. If you're willing to really work hard and sacrifice, you can, you can turn that mm-hmm. stuff around. For sure. All right, man. Appreciated your time. Always fun, dude. I like spending time with you. This is great.